This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. The Bastards are back for this Tuesday edition of the podcast. We are a part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. And when the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical. And at times, we're going to be savagely blunt. If you're easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Charlie Smith coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Smith underscore MLB. I know there's going to be a lot of people chirping this week after everything that happened. Joining me tonight, we have Jason Kelly coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts, by way of Westwood, Massachusetts. Rocking a nice Manchester United jersey. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Um, not not my favorite week of the year, All Star Week. I, I don't. I, I like the Derby, but I'm I'm not going to watch the All Star Game. I don't think I'm going to watch a single second of it. Doesn't do anything for me. So, as painful as this past weekend was, I'm actually just kind of looking forward to real baseball games coming back later this week. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to just about anything that doesn't involve watching the Red Sox get cracked 13 or 14, you know, 14-1, 13-2, games like that. Just It's, it's not fun. Uh, also joining us tonight, we have Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach by way of Wyndham, Maine. Mr. Cushman, I see you're wearing a Red Sox hat. How are you doing today? <laughs> yeah, it's not actually. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. How are you doing? Uh, doing good. Um, a lot better than the, the Red Sox. It's, um, it's been ugly and the future is open to interpretation and we got some hot takes tonight. So we'll interpret those. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, uh, Jason, why don't you take it away? Sure. So I'll start off with, this comes from checkpoint chase who sent in that the Sox will make a splash and will move for Juan Soto. Uh, And he goes into further detail. He says he thinks that it'll be Bogarts and prospects that will get it done. Um, After today's loss, this is the type of deal that wouldn't surprise me. Um, I I love the boldness of the take. I, I love Juan Soto. He's one of my favorite players in the league right now. Would love to see him in a Red Sox uniform. Um, I'm not sure I see that coming. I, I don't think that Kyan Bloom is a big splash type of general manager, especially not trading for a guy like Soto and trading away prospects. But uh, I love the idea that the idea is fun. And, you know, when you've got nothing else going on this year, why not speculate? Is it going to happen, though? Because if you're going to get Soto, you're giving up three of the four of the following players, Marcelo Meyer, Nick York, Tristan Casas, 
or Brian Bayo. You're giving up three out of the four of those. And and Meyer will almost certainly be in there no matter what. So he's going to be one of the three. And there'll be prospects below it. It's hard to imagine that Bloom, he spent this long building up this farm system to to just kind of blow it all on one player. That's number one. Number two, Hein Bloom and Scott Boris don't seem to get along. Bloom offered Bogarts just the one extra year for an extra $30 million, And then in Boris's statement, he said he was looking forward to negotiating with John Henry and Tom Warner after the postseason. Sam Kennedy, he did not mention Hein Bloom in there. So if we're going to give up all those prospects, you have to give Juan Soto an extension. Like you need to make this a long-term thing. And it, it just, it really makes it a tough sell. And just a few days ago, Soto turns down a 15 year, $440 million deal would have been a record contract. The average annual value only comes out to 29 million, but it was stretched out over, over 15 years. So it's fun to think about like what Jason said. And I think we all expected Mike Trout to be the best player of this generation and perhaps the best player of the last 30 or 40 years. I'm not convinced that it won't be Juan Soto going forward. So I love the boldness of that take. I don't know if I want to see Marcelo Mayer. Brian Bayo, Tristan Casas, be players that we face in the World Series because we decide to get Juan Soto. You're mortgaging the farm. This is the Dombrowski-type move. You're mortgaging all the great talent to get one player. And here's the thing. What if in three years he just goes blind and just can't hit the baseball? You now are spending $400, $500 million for a guy that can't play. I just think the risk is too high and investing that kind of money in one player hasn't worked out for teams. Look at the angels, $400 million plus for one player. Mike Trout has seen six minutes of playoff baseball, six minutes. That's it. So while I like the idea of bringing on Juan Soto, a great ball player, my MVP pick, uh, MVP and Andrew's MVP pick for 2022 for the pre-show, the preseason show, it's not going to happen. So it's a it's a scorching hot take, but unfortunately, it's not going to happen because the the risk far outweighs the potential reward. Considering we already know what we're going to be getting with those players in the future, they already got a taste. Unfortunately, didn't do great, but I still think that sometimes the best trades that you make are the ones you don't make, and this would be one of those. So my counter to that would be: Let me ask you this: What do you think is more likely? That Juan Soto, as you said, just goes blind, falls off the table, like can't hit in the next couple of years, or Tristan Casas is just Lars Anderson 2.0, and Marcelo Mayer is just an average infielder, nothing special, and Brian Bayo is just Ramon Martinez and not Pedro Martinez. What do you think is more likely? What are the odds that all four don't hit? Or just uh, even, let's say, even just take Casas. Everyone says Casas is going to be a monster. What if he's just another Lars Anderson? 
So wouldn't you rather get the no. short thing in Juan Soto? No, because the amount of money that you're going to be investing in one player far supersedes what we're going to potentially be paying for some of these guys. Here's the thing. If these players aren't doing great, you can move one. You could package one of them. You know, don't do what they did with Bobby Dalbeck and just keep a, a you know a, a dying animal up in, in you know in Boston because that's just it's a wounded animal playing and it's just getting spanked every time. I just I don't I don't want to see. I just I'm I'm done with certain situations like that. And here's the thing: you could be trading four players for one guy who's making 450 million, or you could have one of those players that you just mentioned potentially be pretty good, maybe the same. Who knows? As Juan Soto, probably not going to happen to be that powerful, but really, really good for a fraction of the cost. And you can invest that money in other places. Maybe like, oh, I don't know, a closer or another position of need, like first base. So l- little things like that, unless uh, Tristan Casas becomes an elite first baseman. But for me, I wouldn't do it. I think it's very possible that the group of players Jason brought up multiple ones of those could fall short of expectations. Will they be busts? I don't know if I'd quite go that far. The other thing that is hard for me to reconcile is Rafi Devers. Do you keep him? How do you sign him and Soto? I think just on their faces, Devers versus Soto I think Devers is better value. I think he's just going to he's going to be a beast in his own right, not quite like Juan Soto's first ballot into Cooperstown is going to have a higher percentage than Rafi Devers will, but it's just too steep of a price for me is all. Will I hate it? Will I go on a tirade? No. I mean, if Juan Soto's going to wear our uniform, but I just knowing Bloom and how obsessed he is with the farm and seeing its overall ranking rise year after year, it just I don't I don't see that. So it's a fun take and it's a fun thought though, like you said. Uh we'll go with one of mine here. Um this is from Benny Biceps, who's very active with us on Twitter. We appreciate that. Uh, he says, will the Red Sox pull a Braves and win the World Series? And I'm going to give a big fat no to that. Go back to last year's playoff bracket. On the American League side, I don't know that there was really a juggernaut on that side. I mean, the, we bounced the Yankees right away. We thought Tampa, who had been to the World Series, I kind of thought they could go again, but... Did I think it was a sure thing? No, not really. I wasn't a believer in the Chicago White Sox. They were good all season, but were they like super stout? Not really. And then the Astros, you kind of had to figure they were going to be a factor because they always go to the league championship series. So no real juggernauts on the American League side. Then you go over to the National League side. And again, this is still 2021. You had the Dodgers and the Giants both won like 100 and 106 and 107 games respectively. And then you had the Braves and the Brewers. I didn't, 
I mean, I wouldn't have been shocked if any of those teams went to the World Series, and I certainly wasn't thinking Braves even at that point, but still nothing about those teams screamed juggernaut to me. The Giants overperformed and got to 107. Good for them. The Dodgers always look great on paper, but very seldom ever get it done. I, if you want to call the 2020 World Series an asterisk, fine, go ahead. Um, but what I'm getting at here is this year, there looks to be some juggernauts. The Yankees are a juggernaut. The, the Houston Astros are a juggernaut. Justin Verlander could win a Cy Young at, at 39 uh, years old. I think he turns 40 next February. I don't see the Red Sox just on the American league side, getting past both of those teams in a three out of five series. They're both going to get buys, so it's going to be a three out of five series. I just don't see it. And I have a similar feeling as last year uh, as far as the the National League side goes. Maybe the Mets might be the juggernaut. Uh, We'll see how they are in the second half, but they've got tons of talent and tons of pitching. So I guess if there is a juggernaut, it probably is the Mets. And I wouldn't rule out the Braves either. They're still on paper very good very deep talented team and eventually someone in this century is going to win two in a row it's going to happen eventually I don't know if the Braves do it again this year but you got the Brewers in the central I mean it's just tough to really get behind them I love the Brewers I'd love to see it happen quite frankly as long as it's not at our expense and you've got the the Dodgers starting to run away again with the um with the West, but I feel like they're a little flawed. So it depends, you know, if they end up with Soto, (laughs) Oh, game changer then. But, uh, yeah. So could the Red Sox pull a Braves? I I don't know that the Braves could pull a Braves, uh, this year with the, the teams as they are constructed. So Jason, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that they're going to pull up Braves. I don't think they're going to go to the World Series. Um, there's too many heavy hitters in in the field this year, and you know, you you listed them. It's Yankees, Astros, Mets, Dodgers. You know, even the teams that aren't quite that top tier level, even teams like the Twins who are still doing their thing, the, the Brewers, um, the Braves. Even again, the Red Sox aren't. They're, they're not in the same league with those teams right now. They're just not. The Red Sox look good when they're playing like Kansas City and, you know, Detroit and Oakland. But whenever they go up against a team like the Yankees, look what just happened this past weekend. I mean, they kind of won on a fluky play and then they got smoked in the final two games. So they're not even close. Um, It's, again, fun to think about. But no, I, I don't think the Red Sox have it in them to pull the Braves, sneak in there and run the table of the American league with, you know, with the powers that are ahead of them. I, I don't see it. No way. It's absolutely not going to happen. This team just completely fell on its face. Um, just to echo, you guys brought up some great points. There are too many teams, juggernauts, powerhouses. The Yankees look like a force that we haven't seen in a really long time. Um, the Dodgers are great. The Mariners have won 14 in a row. 
they're looking disgusting right now. Baltimore just recently won 10, 10 or 11 in a row. I forget the final number. Maybe it was 12. I don't remember how many they won in a row. The Red Sox aren't even able to put two, two wins together in a row. You can't win two, and there are teams that are winning 14 in a row. Forget it. And that's just in, in, our, in our league. Forget about the National League. So there are teams that are going to be buying to like make a couple of quick little changes. They're going to be set. It's not going to be us. We're, we're no superstar, and we're no juggernaut. So, yeah, not going to happen. Um, so my first take here is, uh, from FDMY TR 50 Boston sportsman, uh, sports fan, excuse me. Um, socks will never be a real con socks will never be real contenders under bloom. Um, you know, that's a tough one to say. Uh, there's a lot of us that are pretty upset with, with high and bloom right now. Um, Terry months ago had, had coined the term, these, sexy under the radar picks that we made you know the michael wakas and some of the relievers that we had that weren't truly the answer as evidenced by the fact that we're now falling on our faces um it, it's not looking pretty high on bloom uh T terry terry had posted something and actually had said this on a prior show theo epstein in his second year won the world series um Dave Dombrowski had also won it in his second season. And then uh, what Ben Sherrington had won it in his second season. Right, Terry? You yeah. Said it? Dombrowski in his third. The other two won him in their second. So Right. Yeah. High and Bloom hasn't even come close. Forget about getting to the World Series. We can't even get to the Championship Series and win that. And it's been several seasons. So credit Terry for the take. Um, we're still there. And we still don't have healthy players. We still don't know what our rotation is going to look like next year. Uh, we don't know which prospects are going to be up in Boston, which ones are going to be in AAA, which ones are going to potentially be moved to to bring in some some top-tier talent. It, it, we're at least two, three years away now, it feels, until we get the right parts again. It's almost like we put pushed reset during a year where it didn't look like we were going to be pushing reset. So it was um, it was tough. It's been an adjustment, but it's just not going to happen. I I actually disagree. I, I think that the Red Sox can be contenders under Kyan Bloom. Because if you think about it, contender doesn't mean you have to win the World Series. Contender just means you make the playoffs. If that's if that's where the bar is, then yeah, absolutely. The Red Sox have done that under Kyan Bloom and they can. Um now this year, the way it's going right now, they're they're going backwards for sure. Um, but their roster is still good enough that you can make the playoffs with that. Obviously, health has been a problem. They've had a lot of injuries, particularly in the starting rotation. But your lineup is still healthy. You've got guys underperforming. But if they put it all together in the second half, there's still a chance they get a wild card berth and they sneak into the playoffs, especially since the playoff field has expanded. So to me, I, I look at it, if, if the bar is just – can the Red Sox be contenders, meaning can they make the playoffs and maybe win a round or two? Yeah, I think they can do that. Now, if you're asking, can they win a World Series under Kyle Bloom? That's a totally different question. That that takes another level of, you know, rising above everything else. And you got to make aggressive moves at the deadline to get there. You've got to make aggressive moves in the offseason to be able to build a team like that. So I'm not sure he's willing to do that, but 
to be contenders and to kind of be in the playoff field, yeah, I think they can. I'm kind of in between where you guys are, really. Um, in the first decade of the century, we won two. Oh uh, four, oh seven, and then in the second decade, we we also won two. We're taking the long way to get to the next one, and I'm not sure I really trust the the process that Bloom is is undergoing with this with this organization. I think we'll be lucky to win one right now. I'm just looking at next season. I mean, Evoldi is probably gone, but we need to replace him. And who are we going to replace him with? We don't know what Pavetta is at this point, as we covered in the last show in depth. I just... It's been uncomfortable. The Bloom era has been uncomfortable. And yes, we went to the ALCS last year, but we went from the, in the final week of the season, like, are we even going to make it in the playoffs? We had to sweep the nationals. It's hard to sweep any team. Uh, even last place teams, it's hard to get a sweep. And thank goodness we did it. And thank goodness the Blue Jays won one less game than they did. But it's almost unfortunate that we went that far because it gave him a free pass to not build this year's roster the way he needed to. And I just, I have a lot of trust issues with Hein Bloom. And I guess I'll just leave it at that. So for my second hot take, uh, I'm going to draw from at Ty Loves RV, who states that the Seattle Mariners are still going to miss the playoffs in 2022. The Mariners just entered the All-Star break with a 14-game winning streak. Um, they are now in the second wildcard spot. Uh, they've got a 51-42 record now, playing incredible baseball. They will probably add at the trade deadline, and yet... I agree with Pilov's RV. I I do not think the Mariners will make the playoffs. I think this is a nice, cute little run, but I always have an issue with believing in the Seattle Mariners. Anytime they do something like this, whether it's go on a winning streak or add a bunch of guys in the off season and, you know, add to their roster and people go, Oh, watch out for Seattle. They're just a little too choky of a franchise. For me to be able to say, yep, they're, they're going to keep doing this and they're going to keep playing well the whole second half and they're going to make the playoffs. I just, I don't see it. I, I don't see them as being one of the better teams in the American League. I think that they will eventually fall short. Um, I just, I, I'm not a believer. So I agree with the take. I think the Mariners, despite this really impressive winning streak, are still going to miss the playoffs. Oh, it's on May. Um, I was just trying to pull up where the Blue Jays were uh, real quick to see where they've been since firing their manager. Let's see. That was last Wednesday. And 
They've only lost one game since then, but four of those games were against the Royals. So not really a tough series. So I, I don't know which way to go with that. I don't have strong feelings one way or the other. I think Jason makes some great points. They have not made the playoffs since uh, 2001, and they've become a really good football town in the last decade and, and win a championship there. So it's hard to fathom that they're this relatively big market, and they've got this baseball team that's just so perennially bad. And but I'm I'm looking at the playoff picture here. Um, the wild cards. I mean, I think Tampa's going to get in because they just know how to do it. So that's one of your three spots. I think Baltimore is going to add at the deadline because, as I said previously, they have a GM that's under a lot of pressure, spent a lot of money, made a lot of trades. And they need to have a deep postseason run. So I think that's two. I think Toronto and Tampa get in. So that leaves one spot for three teams. That's the Red Sox, the Guardians. Credit to me for not saying Indians. I'm actually better at this than I thought. And then the Mariners. So if if the Mariners don't get in... Is it going to be Cleveland that beats them or is it going to be the Red Sox or the Orioles? I guess. <laughs> so, so I guess it's, it's down to four teams. I'm kind of leaning more that the Mariners get in myself, but if Cleveland gets hot or Boston by the grace of God gets hot and, and goes on a, a tear and gets in, then maybe they don't. But I think, the Mariners are the best of those four teams vying for that last spot. So I, I went back to the, uh, I call it the Bob 2022 predictions for the bastards of Boston baseball. And when I look back at the AL West, Andrew and Job, two of our five hosts for the other show, both said Mariners. They're pretty consistent. So right there, that's two out of five that think we're going to get it. The first wild card guess, I said Rays. Jason said Red Sox. Terry said Mariners. So Terry's a third one now. In the second wild card spot, I said Astros. Jason Rays. Terry White Sox. Third wild card. Jason and I both said Mariners. Terry said Rays. All of us think the Mariners are going to make it. The Mariners are no joke. They are that good. This is not. This is. They, they have one of the most exciting rookie players in Julio Rodriguez in all of baseball. Julio Rodriguez looks like the second coming of, you know, Acuna. He can steal bases. He hits for power, gets average, is doing everything the right way. He's leading the team in literally almost every major category, home runs, RBIs, uh, total bases, stolen bases. He's leading the team in war. Um, they also have a pitcher on their team, George Kirby, who I think is really, really exciting, and he's fun to watch. He hasn't had the the proper backing behind him this season, but I think he, along with with Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert, that's a, a three-man squad that's pretty intimidating. And Gilbert's been having a really good year. Robbie Ray, not crazy, but not bad. So Mariners aren't missing this thing. They're definitely going. It's just a matter of where they're going to be. Is there a chance that they could potentially overtake Houston? Well, in order for that to happen, they've got to make up a nine-game spread. I don't know if, if Houston's going to lose 
uh, a nine-game lead. But if the Mariners don't lose until September, that's possible. But uh, I think right now, as it stands, the Mariners are in. It's just a matter of which spot they're going to get. Jerry Depoto probably makes more trades a season than any other GM does. Maybe AJ Preller might, uh, you know, more, but, but Depoto's in the top two or three, as far as wheeling and dealing. And I, I think he'll be pretty busy in the next couple weeks as well. And Charlie, you didn't mention Marco Gonzalez. He's on my fantasy team. Has had a I'm nice sorry about that. Had a nice run. He's not this overpowering guy who punches people out left and right, but he doesn't give up many earned runs uh, as of late. So, yeah, Marco Gonzalez, to your point, is one of the three pitchers on that team with 100 innings of uh, of work this season. He does have a five and nine record. George Kirby's two and three, uh, but you're right. Marco Gonzalez has done pretty well, better than some of our guys. Uh, who's next? Uh, it's Terry. So mine comes from CJ in pinstripes. He says Italian food is overrated. I got to disagree with that. I don't know if it's my favorite food, but I love Italian food. I think my favorite dish of any food in the world is lasagna. And fun fact, my girlfriend and I, we, we shop at Costco like once a month. We don't get like the majority of our groceries, but there's certain things we like to get while we're there. One of them is that it's a six pound tray of uh, lasagna. And it is so good. It's restaurant quality. Like there's no point in making it at home. Like that's just so good. And we get that and we probably have it, you know, a couple times a month, but um, I'm just, I, I'm a picky eater, probably pickier than anyone on this podcast. And there's just not many Italian dishes I don't like. I I just I like I like a lot of it and I mean Chinese food, I love Chinese if you can find a an actual good place. Um I love a good steakhouse, especially if it's a local one. So I'm not saying Italian food is necessarily my favorite, but it's a pretty safe pick. And uh, I'll never say no. Yeah, I, I feel like Italian food is very consistent, solid performer all the time. Um, I don't think it's overrated. The only thing I will say is that eggplant parmesan is probably the only Italian dish that I'm just not. Yeah. I can't I can't get into eggplant. No yeah, eggplant I, for me. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I've tried it. It's I, my mother loves it. I don't. I, I just can't get into it. But I'm with you. Like lasagna, a really good lasagna, you can't beat it. It's just it's one of the best, even just something as simple as pasta, just a really good pasta dish. Like you can't go wrong with that. So I get excited I, on spaghetti night here. Yeah. Give me a nice spicy sauce. Oh man. Yeah. No. So I, 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 I disagree. It's not overrated at all. So I'm just curious to know what CJ, uh, CJ and pinstripes. Was it CJ and pinstripes? Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know what it, your favorite food is. So I don't think it's overrated, but I will say that that's not my favorite. Mexican food will always hold a special place in my heart outside of obviously Brazilian food. Um, Chinese food is good, but I still think that Mexican food is better. You find me really good enchiladas or a burrito and you have my attention. I don't even care what we're talking about. Uh, I'll be a fan of whatever you want me to be a fan of. If there's a burrito or an enchilada there with some, uh, some bread sauce or green sauce, it's a win-win for me. A little marg with it. Can't go wrong. Italian food, 
Like it, it's sad that some people think, oh, you like Italian food? You like Olive Garden? It's so it's so sad. Like Mexican food is not Taco Bell. Italian food is not Olive Garden. People need to educate themselves. Um, not assuming that this person is saying that, but some people I'm sure have made that mistake. Um, I don't think it's overrated. I think it's great. I don't think it's the best food out there, but I definitely don't think it's garbage. I think the Olive Garden is better than the macaroni grill, though. Uh, I'll say that much. What's macaroni grill? It's another chain. It's not quite as big, but there's a bunch of them around. Fun, okay. Funny story, though. We uh, we told the waitress that it was a friend of mine's birthday. <laughs> it wasn't. And then everyone came out. The cooks, the hostesses, they're all, they're all singing happy birthday. <laughs> I've done that before. It's funny. It wasn't even yeah. his birthday. No, I've, right. I've done that before. Uh, so our final take here is going to be coming from Crystal Gron at Stogren68. Alex Verdugo and Aaron Judge will agree to a charity ping pong match for the rights to wear 99, number 99, after Judge signs with the Sox this offseason. So first off, I'm going to say thank you for the take. Second off, I'm going to say I want in on this charity event because I'm actually pretty nasty at ping pong. Um, I ended up playing at one of the, one of my former jobs and ended up playing against a couple kids that were ranked nationally, um, and, uh, got absolutely worked. And the first time I won, it was amazing. Uh, and only won once one and only played hundreds of games against them, got dominated almost every single time. Um, that is an interesting take because it every, with every day that passes, it doesn't look like Aaron judge is going to sign in New York which I'm okay with because I don't want Aaron judge uh, to be wearing pinstripes anymore. That being said, what number would Alex, Alex Verdugo wear? Would he just go to 98? Would he do the year he was born? Like what would they do? Would he split the difference and just go to number 50 and haha Mookie bets. Like what would we do here? I mean, there's so many different things that we can do. All I know is that I want to be there. I want to play ping pong against both of, both of them. If I lose, I'm happy to donate $500 to whichever charity of your choice. I don't even care. Like that to me is a cause worth paying for. And I think this could be actually pretty interesting. It's it's a great take, a little bit of sport, a little bit of beer, a little bit of fun, um, a nice little camaraderie between, you know, rivalry players. I think it could be great. Um, ideally, Aaron Judge goes 99, Alex Verdugo is 50. We really haven't anyone. We haven't had anyone dedicated. We're fifty in a while. It's been a long time. So uh, I'm down for that. That'd be sick. I I love the idea. I love the take of Aaron Judge signing with the Red Sox. Um, I don't think it's going to happen though. Um, I don't think Judge is coming here. He's a California guy. So I think if he signs anywhere, it's going to be like the stupid Dodgers or the Giants or something like that. Maybe even the Angels, if they decide to not pay Otani, but go get him. Um, but I do love the idea. I, I love the, you know, just the idea of like, if he does sign here, what does Alex Verdugo do? Because he was 99 first, but I would say the judge should probably take precedence because he's an MVP caliber player. Verdugo isn't quite that. Maybe Verdugo takes 19. That number seems to always be kind of open. Um, maybe he just takes 97, 98, something like that. But I love the idea. I, I just I love the idea of having Aaron Judge in a Red Sox uniform. Um, I don't I don't think I would hate it if he signed here. 
I, I think he'd be pretty happy with it. Um, I know there's some Red Sox fans that don't want him. I do. I want that guy hitting bombs over the green monster for as long as he can. But uh, sadly, I just I don't see it realistically happening. I, I think he's going to sign somewhere in California. So I think 88 would be a good backup number for one of the two. But um, I don't I think. I think Judge is also a long shot uh, as far as the Red Sox go. I mean, we've been bitten with guys in their 30s all along, and I can't do the math in my head. I, Judge was going to get, it would have been, including this year's arbitration plus seven more years, $233. He turned that down. What does that come to a year? Roughly over eight. Is that twenty four million a year? I think that's what that is. So just about. You'd yeah. probably have to give him at a minimum the Machado deal, which is you know three hundred over ten years. That would be thirty million a year. I don't know if that gets done. If he does reach free agency, there could be a bit of a bidding war. Now he's from San Francisco, that area. San Francisco has been third fiddle to the Dodgers and the Padres every winter in every trade deadline. Eventually, they're going to have to make a splash. And why not do it for Judge and then try to get that leg up on those other two teams in their division? It just makes so much sense to me. And they've been willing to spend in the past. They offered John Lester the most money but he turned them down to go to the Cubs. So I just, it's a, it's a long shot to me. I want to throw out one scenario here. We talked about him earlier in the show. What if, and I tweeted about this a couple days ago on the bastards account. What if the Yankees make a play for Juan Soto it would almost be like what the Braves did with Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman. Only the difference is it's in the middle of the season and they're going to have both players for a little bit. But Juan Soto puts them way over the top as far as winning a world. They are the bona fide favorites at this point. Like gun to my head as right now as the two teams are currently constituted, I'd probably still pick the Astros to beat the Yankees. You add Juan Soto to that outfield, oh my goodness. They, they would be the bona fide favorites. The Yankees have done a lot of business with Scott Boris in the future, so I think the dialogue for an extension would be fluid. I think Brian Cashman would love to make that move. And you know the Mets are going to be in play with Cohen because it's always a blank check uh, you know, as far as his front office goes. They got all this freedom to spend. So there's a good chance that Soto will end up in one of the two New York teams. And I think that would be Cashman's way of kind of giving the middle finger to Aaron Judge. Be like, well, you didn't take what we gave you. Now we're going to get a guy way younger. Uh, Soto's only 23 years old. And he already won a ring, by the way. So he's been to the dance. And... It would be a huge middle finger to judge saying we're just gonna we're just gonna go younger and quite frankly better. And 
So that's my hypothetical there. I mean, that would be insane because when you look at that Yankee squad, it's like right field with Gallo is their only weak spot. So and that's where not Soto only would go. exactly. So not only do they fix the weak spot, but they fix it by adding one of the top five best players in baseball <laughs> to a team that's already got Judge and Stanton and Rizzo and you know Garrett Cole at the top of their rotation. So that would be insane. I I think I would agree with you. That would put them well over the edge in terms of being a World Series favorite. I just please God don't let it happen. I don't want to see Juan Soto win pinstripes for the next fifteen years. I really don't be incredible. If that happens, that man with a joke of a stadium at right field, 60 home runs is easily a proper baseline. One soda could crack 66 to 70 home runs. He could break Barry Bonds' record without steroids, which is insane. But Yankee stadium isn't really a real park in right field. So, I mean, you got that fantasy land stadium. Um, any other bits we want to throw in there? I think we're good. Good. Right on. Well, uh, Terry, Jason, I'll thank you both for joining me tonight for some uh, some fun hot takes, as always. Uh, this was a lot more fun than watching that last two games of the Yankees and Red Sox playing against one another. But luckily, we have some all-star game baseball, a little home run derby. And uh, we want to thank all of our fans for uh, sending in some great takes that we're more than happy to read and keep sending us uh any bits of information you want to share with us. And we thank you for listening to us on Spotify and Apple podcasts and anywhere that you listen to your podcast for everybody else. Have a great night. Take care.